the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Guys, welcome to Working Fans Podcast, episode 137, where today, myself and the man they call Dave will be talking AEW Revolution, Dynamite, and our top five of the week. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault, volume one, written by Vinny Barry, 35 short stories across the wrestling landscape. Every book comes autographed by one of 11 wrestlers featured in the book. You got NWA champions, NWA junior heavyweight champions, legends, hall of famers, pick this up. Up over at lancebychance.com where you can also get the book Lance by Chance Wrestling is a Von Eric. This is an amazing book. Vinny Berry, brilliant author. Check out his work over there. And we are also brought to you by Connecticut People Records. Hit them up. Facebook, Instagram, get to them, get some studio time in Connecticut. Dave, now that the plugs are over, <laughs> this is going to be a little different because usually it's you and Senor Strange Brew sitting in on this, but yeah, man. been indisposed. So you guys you guys got me off my deathbed this week mm. to come talk a little AEW, and I'm happy. You never look better, baby. I want to give you a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> you're sick, though, son. You yeah, those right. five kids sick. I know. I got these little baby lungs, too. <laughs> Y'all sick. You know I'll be hitting that hell every day, <laughs> like Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Hey, let's just start talking about Revolution. I'm going to do what I do with Strange Brew. We're going to go up and down this a little bit. I will do the buy-in. We'll do it quick. Yeah, Um, I had to ask ask about the buy-in because I actually have notes on this. Good, because that's the only thing I missed, actually. So that's why I was saying we do a quick guy. Statlander and Hirsch kicked it off. Statlander, the brilliant baby face who said, I know why your parents abandoned you. (laughs) Hirsch, who (laughs) is obviously the dirty heel here. What? How did this match go? What did you think? Very physical for a pre-show match. I thought it was a good match to open the night. You know, it's been a feud on TV for the past several weeks and it paid off at the pay-per-view. Layla Hirsch during the match ended up using the turnbuckle piece. You know, usually how you pull off the pad to expose the turnbuckle. Yeah. She had a spare one from under the ring that she hit Statlander with that was... It was a good match. And the thing about this whole card from buy-in to the main event, everything has been a feud on TV. So it was nice the way it played out. Yeah. And it led into Hurst having some momentum going to Dynamite. We'll talk about that when we cover that. Then we had Hook versus QT Marshall. I actually got to see this. I thought what was notable about this was... You uh, missed a couple things. We had a very good video package for the dog collar match, which I only bring up because the buy-in is a pre-show, which is supposed to sell you on the event. Yeah. And 
end, Tony Schiavone was in the ring and he called oh. out Kenny Omega for a big interview. He calls out somebody for a big interview. You get the Kenny Omega music, Titan Tron, and then Don Callis walks out. And it was basically, it just felt like the promo was to keep Kenny in your minds because out of sight, out of mind, especially when you're getting in so many new talents. And I thought it was a great heel way to keep him in your mind. He's and then they did a Danielson Moxley promo video, which got me even more hyped for a match I was already hyped for. Can't wait to talk about that one. Now we got Hook versus QT Marshall. <laughs> I thought this was good in the sense this was the most selling we've had to see Hook do so far. Came in with a lot of attitude, really trying to act the part. Heel part. He only got an advantage on Hook with underhanded tactics. Otherwise, yes. Hook looked amazing as always. And I thought it was good placement on the card. It wasn't going to be a terribly long match. So you almost want to get it into that middle sh slot on the pre-show. And then we had the House of Black versus Pac, Penta, and Eric Redbeer, who might have been there just for a cup of coffee. We'll see. This was this had to be the match of the pre-show. Fast start. Redbeard versus King is a great big man clash that they had yeah. that I want to see more of that. Absolutely. And this is another match where they've had the rivalry going up until now. You debuted Redbeard on what? The Rampage just before this? Yes. I sound kind of like shit, Randy. So I'm like 80% there. I've only got a 20% blockage. I'm breaking through. <laughs> He's going to break through. I'm actually feeling good enough to get out and about tonight a little bit with a mask on. So, mm. you know, it's about time. Been in the house fuck five days now. Like, you can tell if I'm getting on the wrestling cast, I'm ready to talk. Yeah, we got him. But yeah, I thought this match was great. Like, and Redbeard <laughs> has been more impressive than I expected him to be coming in. Same. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily, I'd never really been overly impressed with him. I thought this was one of his better performances. I thought he worked well and had great chemistry with all these guys. And it kind of made me wonder want them to give him a spot but at the same time this roster is so damn crowded good luck brother <laughs> I mean, you know. oh randy i can still smell and taste beautifully mm -hmm. now speaking of beautiful let's move on to this pay-per-view buddy god jericho versus kingston yes this was the best match i've seen jericho do in a long time yeah and to me it just felt like it had the feeling of like a japanese styled mm -hmm. match suplexes on necks chops just wild shit all match all japan all japan all day yeah was this oh no no that was dynamite where he had the shirt oh tyler peter's coming at us with some comments here now tyler being a newer fan of japanese wrestling does this make you want to dip into the 90s all japan because i don't know if you're that deep into it i know if you check out tyler's take podcast and find him on social media check out whatever he's doing because this man puts the podcast work in he does but match was just a great example of two guys that love the japanese style that put in that work absolutely and i like the angle they set up at the end where jericho not shaking the hand i even commented i remember to scott saying like i feel like there's definitely going to be more to this or telling a story i almost thought it was possibly playing jericho leaving or something for a little while but as we learned on wednesday that's not the case but great matchup all right then we had our three-way for the tag titles jurassic express versus red dragon and the young oh, that last match eddie kingston won in 14 12 oh yeah my apologies 1412. <laughs> oh, all times are courtesy of cagematch.net. I mm. was not sitting there with a stopwatch. <laughs> I was secretly sick and I risked all these dudes' lives. I didn't even know. <laughs> oh, man. Randy letting us know that Jericho does have a Fozzie tour coming up. Yeah, Tyler. he's actually he's got a stop in New Haven. 
He's going to yeah. be at Toad's place, I believe. So what do you think about this three-way dance? I know me and Scott were saying we thought that the Bucks and Dragon were going to cancel each other out and they would somehow get a victory here. I didn't think it was quite as much as I expected, but anyway, I thought they had a great show. And what did you think of the match overall? It was a good match. Like I said, I wanted Red Dragon to win, but they're really behind this Jurassic Express, which nothing wrong with that. But I don't know, like... I'm kind of tired of them as tag champs, so I was yeah. ready for Red Dragon to take that spot. But, I mean, setting up further dissension with the Bucks and Dragon, like, we'll talk about it when it comes to Dynamite. It's really tough because between this pay-per-view and Dynamite, there's so many storylines that flow one to another, so many connections. It's going to be hard to talk about, like, this show without referencing Wednesday night at any point. Right. It was a good win, I thought, for Jurassic Express. I'm curious what time you got, because I have Wikipedia, America's Most Trusted the new source at 18 minutes and 55 seconds i got 1911 from cage match it's interesting because there was a little difference between that and the last one too but it's subtle so i'm kind of curious <laughs> i mean i'll make an argument against wikipedia but yeah <laughs> one of the all-time greats <laughs> is there anything else you want to comment on this match i thought it was a great match but at the end of the Good day match. i didn't have a ton of notes for it because yeah. like to me it's hard to take notes during a match like this where you got so many moving parts. Mm -hmm. I heard some people said it killed a little bit of momentum of the next match in the sense it was such a hot match. And that was the face of the revolution ladder match. We had Wardlow to beat in Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. Cassidy got injured in here. I, uh, before I pitch to you, I'll just say I really was happy that they put Wardlow over. I think he's starting to shine and I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him. What'd you think overall? Good match. That spot where him and Hobbs broke the ladder. That was pretty cool. I don't think I've seen that before. Mm. Uh, American top team in the stands. Good match. I mean, yeah, Orange Cassidy got injured. That was the only other note I had. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's really much else to say. It was a showcase, a lot of big high spots. Wardlow got the W and he'll be showcased again later on as we'll talk about after that this next match kind of had to kiss a death spot right before that match we had shivani on the ramp oh and he announced the signing of swerve which yeah. was no surprise who he was announcing because he was swinging around the clipboard and you could like read the front of it on there yeah. it was a cool spot but i mean you could have easily done it on the buy-in you could have kept it to dynamite it turns out he comes out on dynamite and then announces he's got a match We'll get to that. After that, Jay Cargo versus Ty Conti. People were saying this is one of Jay Cargo's better matches. I was starting to feel tired at this point. I think I left. And it was a hell of a start to the match. Yeah, I I, I seen the kiss on uh, social yeah. media everywhere. Yeah, nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this about the Jay Cargo. They are building her up properly. She's come off. They're making a Goldberg-like thing where she's now 28, 29, and 0. I think she's going for 30 and 0. I don't Tonight? know if it's next Wednesday. Oh, yeah, next Wednesday. Is it, yeah, so they're making it feel important, and I'm excited to see, like, at some point, who might show up. But she came yeah. out just as Jade from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it was well right for what it was. It, it was to me, there was so much stacked on this card, though. It was hard for me to be. I almost would have put this on the buy in and put Leela Hirsch versus Chris Statlander on the main card. You know, you got so many matches, things got to end up like someplace. You know what I mean? But this was kind of like if this pay-per-view had any kind of a lame duck match, 
that yeah. might have been the only one. Yeah, hell, it needed a little downtime. Are we right? Because you got the notes and stuff here with Swerve. I have the dog collar matches next here. Dog collar matches next. Yep, they yeah, went that, right into it. I want to talk about this real quick. You kind of remember this as we talk about it. Oh, I was, they had I, a promo video right before the match. So yes, the Jade Cargill match ended, and they did pretty good where they do a video and yeah. then lead into the match. They did yeah, this for all the big matches. One of the other right. matches. Yeah, for all the big matches. Okay. I was all right. MJF comes out. He does like the, the the teaser of cult of personality for a few seconds, and he comes out to his music. And then Punk comes out, and I don't recognize the song at first. And then he has you know his old Ring of Honor look. Excalibur MVP brings it up. It's an awesome song, by the way. I've been playing it all week. I and, recognize the song. Yeah, I never knew he used it because I became a fan of his like during the wwe run same i knew about his ring of honor stuff but like yeah he first came on my radar in wwe okay so uh, before i pay what can you say bloody match told a story great job and then ward load at the end there would you know not knowing what pocket and he like you yeah. know kind of makes the turn all of this gave a big fight feel they told an awesome story punk gets the w Wardlow comes out like a star as we'll find out later too on dynamite neither one showed up they just had a video package so i love the fact they sold it <sighs> such good old school stuff here i was a big fan what did you think oh yeah amazing match like this one went 26 48 and the one before it went seven minutes and three seconds so hmm. You know, this didn't feel like 2648. This felt perfect. Like the match was amazing. Wardlow coming out at the end, finally kind of breaking his story off or setting up what's going to happen was just great. I, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was early in the show for it. I figured it might be like later on. But the thing was, the whole pacing was great. They could have closed with that. Was this one better than Piper Valentine? Ah, that's a classic, man. But for me... I would have to watch it again before yeah. I say something that definitive. I say it gives it a run for its money. Mm -hmm. This might be. But I would have to watch Piper Valentine at least one more time after seeing this to kind of gauge it. Okay, after that, I got we went to Britt Breaker versus Thunder Rosa. They had a video package for the match yep. right before it. I thought this match was good, but I thought it suffered for having to follow the dog collar match. Like, this was not their lights out matchup they had from a year ago, which, again, too, high expectations. But I think, you know, it told the story. It had all the interference in it, which a lot of people didn't like. But again, it tells the story, what it's going to lead to, which we'll talk about later. Overall, I thought it served its purpose. It was fine, but nothing to write home about either. Another long match on this card, 17 and a half minutes. Britt yeah. Baker gets the win. Is it the reason they're redoing it in a cage next Wednesday? I don't think so. I think in San Antonio, I think they had this planned out. I think this was part of the story and interference and stuff like that. I do think that the dog collar match and the Moxie Danielson match after this did kill some of the momentum. I'm sure they didn't have that plan. But when you have such a stacked show and so much talent, that's going to happen to somebody. There were so many good matches that just the way they stacked it was, you know, like that's what I was saying earlier. You're going to you're going to suffer because something you're going to feel like should be later in the show, perhaps. Yeah. But so. this is followed by a Danielson Moxley video yeah. package, which once again, I don't, I didn't think I could be more hyped for this match, <laughs> but then every video package they play, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this. And so. this was 20 minutes and 44 seconds of once again, amazingness. I thought yeah. let's talk about it. Hold on before you do. I got to tell a story here about this match. So I first time I watched this match twice because it was so good. I wanted to go back and watch it. And the reason why the first time I watched it, 
I had it playing on when I was in the bread truck and I was driving. And so I'm watching the match and I'm I'm focused on the road, folks, for the most part. Like you are on your cell phones. I know who you are out there. All right. So I'm out there. I'm listening. I'm doing a good part. And then suddenly after the match ends. All right. And Moxley gets the W and they're fighting. I could hear a rumbling. And I'm like, what is this? And I see Regal. And I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) I lost it. I was like, oh. And I ignored all social media. I ignored all text I got. I I thought you were about to tell us you ignored all stop signs. All right. I didn't know what that red octagon thing was. No one had taught me. I fucking went in there and I was like, afterwards I saw AJ, no spoilers, but holy shit. And I knew what he meant because I looked at it afterwards, but I, re- I did not look at anything. So I had Isn't no idea. A spoiler in itself. It would have been, but I, I never looked at it. As soon as I woke up in the morning, I saw multiple checks and looked at my phone. And I just whoop, swiped. I'm like, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> and I immediately put on the pay-per-view. To their credit this time, by the way, AEW on Bleacher Report, the pay-per-view was ready to go the next day on replay. The last time we did this last year, I had to wait like till noon as I was watching the Spanish replay just so I didn't have to see any more spoilers. So, (laughs) yeah, great show. They beat the shit out of each other. Like, they just kicked and punched each other, and it looked as hard as it can. As as Rigo would say, I hit people hard in safe places, and that's what I saw here. But it was snug as a motherfucker. Both bleeding. Both looked like they had been through it. And not only was this match noteworthy, but spoiler alert, Dave already popped it for you. The aftermatch announcement was almost as big yeah that was crazy and regal did such a good job too with his selling of like the anger and that i know jake st john fan of the show he was calling it like it'd be so cool if regal showed up and he did and then he talked about it too where regal did that little headbutt to get the blood on him from Mox and everything. It was just like, oh man, like he's so fucking good. And I said this somewhere recently, but if you look at Regal's history in the States, at least, and this is WCW and WWE, both are guilty of this. They've really played up his comedic character because he's phenomenal at that. And he's really good all around performer. We didn't always get a glimpse of badass Regal as less pointed out. Let's Thatcher pointed out on us. The Pillman Memorial show match he had with Benoit which was insane. And if you look at his stuff with Bit Finley when he showed up at WCW and they had that match uncensored many years ago now and their stuff in Europe beat the shit out of each other in a different way, kind of like Mox and Danielson did. Just hit each other hard, except for in that match, I think somebody's face ended up getting broken. <laughs> it wasn't that day, but it's a physical match. So this is a different aspect to seeing Regal like this. I'm excited to see what he brings. Yeah, it was great, and they only furthered it on Wednesday. Absolutely. And so we had the six-man match after this, which I got to tell you. Okay, so Darby, Allen, Sammy Guevara, Sting versus the Andrade family, Andrade, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy. Okay, I get all that out there to go. Going in, didn't give a fuck about this. I was no, like, I, didn't it. I was like, it's kind of late in the show for this match, so sure. all right, but yeah. I mean, the only thing that it had going for it is it is a storyline that's been on TV that they're playing out now. But another holy shit moment. First, Sammy does the Spanish fly. Fucking crazy with Isaiah off the Titan Tron onto a table. It's nuts. And I'm like, wow, okay. But you know, I've seen Sammy do crazy shit before. So I'm not really too moved. Almost every week. Yeah, he's fucking nuts. So I'm ready for that. But cool. Nope. I was not ready for 62-year-old Sting or whatever he is. The jump off a balcony on Andrade through tables. 
Now I lost my fucking mind again. <laughs> Not quite like Regal, but still lost my fucking mind. And I did- saw them set it up. And then when I saw Sting walking up the steps, I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. He never did this when he was younger. So I didn't expect it. But what a professional. What a absolute stud. As JR said, the fucking balls on this guy. Mm. I'm just... I'm glad Sting's a part of this company. I'm glad he's getting this run now. He deserves it. And I hope he doesn't get injured and nothing happens to him. What a great competitor. It makes me proud to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely can't say enough good things about Sting in this. MVP. 100%. Like, you would think he'd be doing, like, jumps like that when he was still on the drugs and stuff, you know? So that way, at least you feel it a little less. Like, at his age, I almost feel like you're going to feel it more. But standout spot in the match. Match went 13-01. Darby, Sammy, and Sting took the victory. And this match could have easily got lost in the shuffle with everything would happen, but they didn't. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, this match, main event time, Hangman Page and Adam Cole. Now, I should point out this. As much as I avoided spoilers, I'm watching this on my phone. I went to tap the full screen, and I accidentally tapped the very end. So I actually knew who won because I see Hangman and I see his music playing. And I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. But I'm like, all right, well, maybe something happens. So I watched it all the way through. So this match was a little spoiled for me. I didn't quite have the same excitement. It was the end of the show. Seemed fine. But at the end of the day. It's a 26-minute match at the end of like a four-hour pay-per-view. Yeah. I don't think the title fight had all that much heat going into it. That's the problem. It was a good enough main event. Like, I was excited for it, but I was also kind of tired by that point in the night. That was the problem. Like, at the end of the night, when you have that long of a show, I need to feel like the outcome is in doubt. And even before I spoiled it for myself, I never thought the outcome that was in doubt for this because after Cole lost that match, I said it many times, to Orange Cassidy in the Lights Out match, and I know it wasn't his loss, but you positioned it in a way I just didn't see. Okay, like I, I think they like Cole, and they booked him pretty well, but they didn't book him to the point where I'm like, okay, he's not winning the world title. I didn't think that. So that was it. So that that one little thing they did a while back, which isn't a big deal. It's just nitpicking. But on a four-hour show, it came back to kind of haunt me where I'm just like, yeah, this one just didn't do it as well for me. But overall, awesome show. I'll answer this question. Should AEW have six pay-per-views instead of four? No. <laughs> because I love the fact, let's keep the big fight feels and let's keep it down to four, like the old WWE days where we had Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam Survivor Series. That's what we need. 100%. Wait, talk some AEW Dynamite. <laughs> oh, I am. Like, it's like it's been a rough week because when I was watching this that night, this was when I went to bed this night, I woke up the next morning feeling like absolute shit. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, how I felt that night kind of affected like my enjoyment of the pay-per-view, but like I didn't have an, a ton of notes coming on the tail end of that, but dynamite, oh. I was starting to feel better by, and there's a lot to talk about, like oh, yeah. this is a good dynamite, but I want to go back up to the comment that Randy made earlier. Oh, Rick Baker promo? No. <laughs> they jam a lot into the AEW dynamite episodes, but this episode just had so much more cramped. Yes. In there. This felt, Vince Russo-like at times, like that old WCW when Russo was taking over, where I'm like, it was good. It was fun for what it was. I don't know what the fuck I just watched. There was, yeah, there was a big moment in the middle that just kind of got, like, glossed over. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that. So, all right. We kicked off with Kingston and Jericho. 
Holy shit, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> like, the fucking the shirt with the homage to All Japan Wrestling from Post, the long Royal Rinding Road, WH Park, I believe, covers yep. that. Fantastic. Jericho beforehand did such an awesome job because Jericho's selling this like an actual baby face. Like, he might just shake his hand. But part of me is like, mm, I don't fucking buy that. I watched enough wrestling. But he did such a good job. Then Kingston uh, shut down those what chants quick. Oh, he shut it down. He fucking responded to everybody good. He and I believed him. Like when he talks about, you know, I didn't want to show up. I didn't want to drink. I didn't buy that. I can believe it. But when he said he talked to people at the fan fest and they told him how they changed his life, I felt like, oh, he that fucking happened. And like he's including his promo. And it was so fucking good and so believable when he said, at the end of the day, you don't want to shake my hand. That's a you problem. And what's wrong with you? Very accurate, very real. Jericho sucks it up and shakes his hand. And then we see 2.0 and Garcia come out. So it kind of looks like, oh, we might have a new babyface team here, blah, blah, blah. But again, in my mind, now I'm paying close attention because I'm looking at how they're doing this. And Jericho kind of falls. And they're not completely laying into him. AJ actually noticed on his TikTok. I'll give him credit for this. And yeah, because I noticed that as well. Like they were putting the boots to him, but it was like they were mostly on Kingston. And then right. like one person would come over and try and make it look legitimate on Jericho. Right. It'd be like we a couple know. hits and then go away. And yeah. yeah. That's good. That was well done. I like the way they did that. And then obviously Santana Ortiz come down with the bats. <laughs> That's when Jericho makes his turn and they've beaten him down. And then Hager comes down, fired up, and it's only a few minutes, uh, about a minute later, Hager's like, boom, and he's joined in, and they're beating him up. And I got to say, I'll let you comment on this too, but I just like this new faction to sense that Matt Lee, the bigger guy from 2.0 there, and Jericho together. I can't imagine the ridiculousness of this faction. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for 2.0 to shine on the mic because they're good, and Jericho will bring out the best of them. Hager will be the muscle. He is what he is. And Garcia, I think this will be great for him because he's going to learn with Jericho and he's going to get big opportunities. Yeah, it's it kind of walks that fine line of is Jericho putting these guys over by having them join a faction with him or is he joining a faction with them to kind of get on this like goodwill they've got? You know what I mean? Like, right. since they're the hot new thing, is Jericho attaching himself to that to get that bleed off attention? It's, I mean, <clears throat> he needed to freshen up the group. The yeah. inner circle was great, but Man, it's cool. been two and a half years, three years now, and it needed to move on to something. So I, I liked it. I did too. Mutually beneficial. This group will work for everybody. All right. Then we went to a yes. Oh, yeah. We will comment on that. That power bomb where thank God for the heels because they were actually trying to save Eddie's life because it looked like that thing wasn't looking good. And then they straightened it out to help pull it off, which took me out of it a little bit. But I mean, JR covered for it well. So it worked. They had to. (laughs) I'm going to kill him. Yeah. (laughs) Then. I wasn't on AEW social media this night. So, yeah, we had a random world title match. <laughs> Hangman Page versus Dante Martin. It Good. felt random, but they yeah. did explain during the course of the match. JR did his best to remind you why Dante, Dante Martin deserves to be here. <laughs> He's not coming out of nowhere, folks. He's a number two ranked contender. Right, number two. This year. He's 18 and two in his last 20 matches. That's great. I mean, God bless him. And- I wonder why the fuck he was there. It's like you. Your brother came back and you're already leaving him. I thought so. I like 
having matches where you get with the champ and it's fun and stuff like that but yes because it was so thrown together and it wasn't like mentioned a week before or even coming out of revolution since it was like or the revolution the road to revolution because i watched that it was like what the fuck did we get this (laughs) that being said Fun little match. This leads to another random thing coming up soon, but we'll, we'll get to that. I had down good enough match. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. But it was like, I, I had to have JR explain to me why Dante Martin had to be here. And by the time JR had like settled my curiosity about that, the match was half over. Right. And so I was like, okay, he deserves to be here. Oh, he lost. Cool. Let's get on to the next thing. Yes. Adam Cole shows up. Well, actually, first Hangman calls Dante to the ring and puts him over and talks about he's a hell of a competitor. And then basically Cole comes out and, you know, talking about how. I don't even remember. He's going to whoop their ass, whatever. He'll shit. Basically, he wants to fight him and two partners of his choice. And he very much hits. It's going to be the Bucks talking about, I got some young guys in the bag, friends. And of course, it's not going to be that as we find out. I don't even, did he say in the back at first? Because the way he was framing it, I was almost wondering if they're bringing in a new tag team at first. He was saying, he was hitting at the Bucks. He was saying something about young. And then later on in the back, he's talking about guys that like the party, that bring the party a couple but yeah so he definitely was hinting at the bucks i know when i heard that bring the party and then it turns out it's gonna be red dragon i'm like bobby fish is one of the oldest people on the roster like i don't doubt he likes to have a good time but like this is the dude you're going to to party that's pretty funny he's gonna make sure you drink like two glasses of water for every drink you have you better stay hydrated folks (laughs) lift with your knees All right, so this one, I actually wanted to message you this night, but I wanted to get to bed because, all right, one thing about Joe is he was always a fan on the independent circuit of the workhorsemen. JD I Drake. was going to mention it because I was very excited about this, and a couple of my notes actually pertain to this. All right, so they take on Danielson and Moxley. They come out with Regal. This one was kind of thrown together too, but it made sense at least. Regal comes out selling the look of like the poor workhorsemen, like these poor schmucks, like you don't know what you got into. He's fantastic. It's a good match, good beat down by Danielson and Moxley. They look great. This will, I'll let you take over in a minute, but this leads to Regal's promo. I love me some William Regal. This went on a little long. Obviously, Regal went over. He apologized for this on social media because he said, I don't know how else to be more direct. I don't want people to think I gossip. This was my mistake. That being said, he did put over what he needed to put over at the promo, which is basically, and I'll talk about the Tony thing in a second, but he basically, he ended this with basically, hey, you know, you want to come up against us? It's not going to work out for you, you know? You come at us, we're going to basically, we're going to end up on top. We're going to take you out. And before this, which was so, you really get a good idea how good of promo he can be, where he's talking about all the stuff he went through and everything. He thanks Tony Schiavone and how he was there to help him. And he doesn't really like go into detail because he doesn't really need to. It's personal between them, obviously. And he gets emotional and Schiavone gets a little emotional. And you see Schiavone kind of pulls it back together and Regal immediately turns it on like okay now back to being a rogue and then he puts over danielson about how danielson was everything he should have been if he, but danielson was regal without the drugs without the alcohol and not so many words he was danielson danielson was regal without the demons and yeah. he's the best wrestler in the world and then he met moxley and all the evil things they did would have made the devil yeah. blush basically i think he was some kind of line yeah and then regal basically put it all back together so yeah, you ran together kind of in two segments for me to cover here. Yeah, we're going to go fucking over, but I don't think we have an interview for this week's audio, so fuck it. No, we're going we but there was a lot to this because if you just get to the match, I wouldn't say it felt through, thrown together because we knew we were going to get Danielson and Moxley. 
Right. It was just a matter of who were they going to face. And when it got announced just before the show that it was going to be the Work Horsemen, that is super notable. Because up until now, J.D. Drake's been a part of the Wingmen. And that's all I've ever seen him put on. Right. Anthony Green has appeared on Dark. So for the fact that they Anthony teamed them up, Henry. Anthony, oh, Anthony Henry, yep, because Anthony yeah. Green is all good, Anthony Green. Yeah, retro. But yeah, the fact that they teamed them up and gave them the name was huge. A good team to go up against these guys in the ring. A little sad to see them squashed, but yeah, like you said, the big part of this was William Regal's in-ring promo afterwards. His health and his time left seem to be a real focus of his words. Yes. You know, 29 years ago, first time on TBS with Tony Schiavone, really put over his friendship with Danielson and how Danielson kept his name in the public when he wasn't there. And there was a lot of emotion to this. So the fact that it ran long, not a huge deal. You know, it felt long, a little rambling at times. Mm-hmm. But this is a man, you give the microphone, you let him say what he wanted to say. Yeah. And like you said, what did Shimani do for Regal 29 years ago that, you know, was what happened? Hopefully we'll find out at some point. Hey, and- quick theory, because I remember Regal coming out WCW and he wrestled a couple matches, a very plain baby face with that very, you know, just plain kind of wrestling style, which was not going to get over that time in America. And yeah. it wasn't long after that he became a heel and a very good heel. I wonder if Shivani had any input to that. Could be that. Maybe. Who knows? We could speculate all day. Like It'll be interesting to hear when that comes out, what exactly it was. Hmm. Did you want to add anything else to this? No, that's it. I mean, I tried summarizing it as best as I could. This is definitely a promo to watch. Absolutely. Okay. Now let's get back to random again. (laughs) Somewhere after that world title match, we got announced because it didn't go the full 60 minutes. What? There was a Dark Order backstage segment right before Okay, let's talk about that. Go ahead. I don't even remember. I barely remember. I do, but go ahead. Okay, so they had Dark Order backstage. Adam Page comes in and, you know, apologizes to John Silver for yelling at him. John Silver tries guessing which two of the Dark Order are going to join Adam Page in that six-man tag match. And he explains that he ran into Jurassic Express and... It was awkward, so he kind of agreed to let them in the six-man tag match, but he would catch up with Dark Order later. It still feels like they're trying to tease some dissension, but feel like there's a friendship there. That was the bulk of it, furthering that story, but not like integral to the show. I hope John Silver and, oh God. Alex Reynolds. Alex Reynolds, thank you. I hope maybe they do something with them. Maybe they end up leaving and maybe they'll join Cole because they've always kind of had a relationship on BTE where Cole hates these guys and stuff, but maybe it leads to them actually getting a chance with him and maybe take him more seriously. We'll have to see because like until this storyline plays out, Dark Order's kind of been where they're at. And I mean, they've blown up so many other factions for less that it's almost like, is it Dark Order's time or will they keep them together? I'll tell you what, AW, I know we don't want more titles, but they almost need a US tag team title. Like if ever there was a company they could have gone with a secondary tag team title like this company could oh yeah they have a ton of teams on this and like so many underutilized ones that's why thank god roh got bought thank god they have dark and dark elevation to feature some of these teams absolutely actually i was thinking today guest of the show sat i'd love to see them get a shot on dark or something too just like oh yeah yeah but now back to the weird like conditions you said that brought about this match because i've never heard of this 
Yeah, okay. I have heard of standby matches, but the oh, way yeah, they, they were, were digging like the old Mid South territory. Yeah, or the Crockets, but it was also like at the end of the day, like they started off with a world title match, they didn't go the full sixty, ended like maybe, and then you finish off with that, and it was whatever. It was usually like maybe an enhancement match or something, or we just like you didn't have the rest of this show planned oh, out. Like show. somebody else couldn't have gotten a couple extra minutes. Yeah, and then they actually because Regal actually went long, they had to rush to everything. So we did. We, we didn't put the standby match on. It would have been rushed. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Pac versus Rio Yuta. Fine match. It is what it is. Pac always looks tremendous. Yuta's growing on me. He's definitely got some good skills, but it was what it was. Pac got the W, and it was a chance to Pac to get some shine here, I thought. Decent mid-card filler match is the only thing I had written down. <laughs> Adam Cole backstage with Red Dragon and the Bucks. This is basically where we're going to find out. It's not the Bucks. It's Red Dragon. They kind of again kind of tease some dissension here. Yeah, because the Bucks said they were out if Hangman was involved, and Cole's like, "Well, I was going to pick Red Dragon anyways." So that was an interesting misdirection that I was kind of confused about. Sure. And then the next part was. Oh yeah. FTR I don't know how backstage. this got buried, or like most people might have forgotten it on the show. Yeah. FTR backstage interview with Alex Marvarez, basically going off oh, about man. family. Was it Cash? I don't remember. No, Dax was going off about family. Family, right? And then Tully cut him off and said, "I got a family too." <laughs> and basically, but yeah. what about the who's your daughter? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We can't mention her on TV. You know why? Because you're fired. Get the fuck out. Yeah, and we fired Tully Blanchard in a throwaway segment. Apparently, he's not with FTR. Are you guys? Are you guys even part of the Pinnacle anymore? I don't know if there is a Pinnacle. Wardlow appears to be out. Hopefully, some of this will get explained. But yeah, uh, FTR, one of my favorite teams of all time. My my favorite team actually currently in wrestling they're that good and Tully Blanchard I think unlike a lot of the managers like Jake's been kind of hit or miss Iron is good obviously but to me I think Tully is like maybe the most consistent in terms of like he maybe hasn't had those Iron Anderson like promos but everything he's done has been good and I don't think I've seen him miss once no he's always delivered always been out there and mm-hmm. this was a surprise now yes as if there weren't enough factions breaking up or people being fired we had the ahfo in-ring segment yes vote on whether matt should be kicked out it was done perfectly you know it felt drawn out enough he ends up getting voted out he gets beat down and then the crowd i mean i expected jeff hardy to come out at this point but i see darby allen and sting come out for the save and jr made a very interesting note that they're still short one person yes (laughs) and then we mentioned it on yesterday's live broadcast but jeff hardy comes out for the save and still finds a moment to dance which is amazing the memes have tickled me to no end and you know comes in for the save jeff hardy does a swanton he's a part of AEW. yeah and they got that old music because it was available and i thought it was perfect and it actually really added something to that because the crowd knew right away turns out it's stock music which is amazing yeah jeff's a musician you almost think he would have done his own theme or they would have done something but nope i bet you at some point that jeff will have some of his own music with this but this was a great way to kind of bring it back because because even though it's just stock music, like that music was so synonymous with them and it fit the Hardy so perfectly back in the day. 
and people just knew right away. So I think it was great. Whoever, and that still, somebody had to know that. Somebody put that together and said, oh, hey, this is available. We can just use this. Cool. You know? Yeah. And after this was followed by Swerve backstage. Yes. Announces his first match is going to be on Rampage, which as we are recording this, that's tonight. I'm looking forward to this debut. Nee steps up as the first challenger, references his history with Swerve on Fridays. They say they're going to do it. And huge match for Rampage. Yeah. Yes. I believe after this, we went to Wardlow with his first in-ring promo. First long in-ring promo, anyway. Yeah, and really kind of explained what happened in the match, kind of explained him, and it made it clear that even though he hasn't broken away from MJF because he can't because of that contractual agreement, he doesn't care anymore. And this really put him over as a person. He got a new shirt out of the promo. I thought it was great. I thought it was good, too. I, I just laugh at this. I always laugh at this. I'm contractually obligated, but I'm not actually. <laughs> I hope Tony Khan somehow manages to give this guy a contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I thought for speaking for as long as he did some time, he didn't come off over the top. He came off like a regular person, and that was okay because Wardlow is such a presence, and he comes off like such a superstar. This is all right for, especially for his first interview. You know, down the road, we might have to see some fire from him, but I thought this was a good first step. Yeah, they built up goodwill with him through the like the crowd has goodwill with him. Yeah. So yeah, that's into the sympathy uh, power bomb spot where he just multiple power bombs everybody. Awesome idea. I believe after this is where we got QT Marshall backstage with Keith Lee, yep. where. Offering uh, to- have Keith Lee's back, him in the right. factory. As Keith Lee pointed out, I have a large back. I'm good, which apparently pissed off QT Marshall. You'll pay for this. <laughs> I want to know if QT is supposed to be as corny as he's coming off. It's got to be, right? Because it's playing off hilariously. Yeah, this is definitely his role in this company. He's just going to be the guy that gets beat up right now and bumped around. And he comes off as that, oh, God, I don't know. I like Jerry Lawler, corny heel sometimes where Lawler would get beat up. Or so bad, it's good. Yeah, so good for him. Then we had the AEW Tag Team Championship match. Again, another match that I kind of found out like a little bit before the show. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus take on the Acclaim. Always it's funny good. that you almost called him Jungle Express because when I was writing my notes, that's what I had. Had written down and i had to cross out jungle and put jurassic <laughs> yeah. i was starting to get tired of this show right about now because there was so much and like i said i'm not huge into jurassic express Same. so this is the first point in the show where i had a little bit of burnout and it almost like affected the rest of the show but, but not a terrible match acclaimed always looks good yep and continues to push jurassic express we're a big fan of not as like you know, solid dominant champions. And we'll see as time goes on, who's going to knock them off. I hope it's Red Dragon, FTR. We'll find out. It's a good question. Leia Hurst versus Thunder Rosa. This we had a Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling video promo, oh. kind of setting up her streak and setting up that I believe there's going to be a match on Rampage. Yes. Very good. That should make her 30, you know. Yes. And then we had Hirsch and Rosa. I was surprised that this match was even in here. I was like, God, we got to be getting near to the end of the night. But no, there's still like there's three segments left after this. And there's like a half hour left in the show. Yeah. And basically the big thing here was Rosa got the win. It set up the title match for next week as she was getting interviewed by Shivani. Baker said, you know, basically, I feel bad about if a carny piece of trash ends up with the title like you. And it doesn't matter because Tony announced it. We are going to get. Yeah, Tony announces it's a steel cage match. And then it throws to Britt Baker backstage with right. Rebel and Jamie Hayter. I'm and getting yeah, tired she cuts of talking that. About- <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any notes on my page here because like by this point where I was watching it, I'm like, God, this show is still going on. Like mm -hmm. this is the first time that AEW made two hours feel like three. See, and I think it's what they said on post too. Like if you're just watching the show, it's super enjoyable. But if you have to like take notes for this, it's fucking difficult. Because oh, it's yeah. Been, all right. Yeah, because watching it that night, I was like, oh, shit, so much has happened. But then as you're writing down notes, you're like, oh, wow, I forgot about this match. All right, I'll give something for this one. <laughs> Main event time. Scorpio Sky has been undefeated for almost a year at this point going in against Sammy Guevara. I've been saying for a while, I thought the story would be here that Scorpio is going to win. And I think Wardlow is going to destroy him. That being said, they did such a good job in this match of one, Sammy fighting from underneath as a guy, you know, who's battling back from adversity and two, Scorpio just feeling like a big deal. They put over the fact that he's been a tag team champion. Now the first ever tag team champion and TNT champion. They put over the mistake of Sammy going through the table and Scorpio capitalizing and Sammy trying to fight back. They did such a good job of like first time we see Ty Conti on stage is Sammy's love interest, right? They haven't talked about that, at least on air before. And she comes out, she's putting over, she's emotional. And Scorpio being the great heel, you want to kiss him? I'll kiss him for you, you know? Yeah. Put some back in the ring. I thought that was awesome, you know? And then we see Paige Van Sanchez show up. And now it's kind of making sense, like, uh, okay, we're leading to something here. And then, of course, she jumps. Well, actually, Ty had stopped Ethan Page from being on the ring apron. Took him down, and she, I think she kicked him in the nuts, if I remember. And that's when Zane came comes out. out, jumps him, Guevara's distracted, Scorpio capitalizes, wins the TNT title. Afterwards, hits Sammy with the belt on top of it to put him over even more as a heel. And then Paige throws Ty in the ring, kicks her in the head, throws her top on Sammy, and then signs her contract on Ty's ass that everybody likes to talk about. Mm -hmm. There you go off the air, big heel celebration. And it made me question, like, maybe... Even though I called part of this, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe MJF's going to play a part in this or something. Maybe because Scorpio came off such a big deal here that I'm interested to see where this reign goes. We'll see. There, They've done I, a lot I forgot more. so many details of this end just because there were so many. Like, this show was jam-packed and this last segment was jam-packed. Like, yeah. there was so much to it. Yeah, Paige Van Sant is all elite. I mean, Scorpio Sky's the champion. It's... They built it up well. I'm just not overly excited about it right now. I kind of want to see where it's going to go from here. I'm actually getting ready because we're, we've are we been going for almost an hour, and we did promise these people a top five of the week. <laughs> so Fuck. <laughs> Let I'll tell me... you what's not on my top five of the week is the top five of the week. That's on my it's on my bottom five of the week. I'll give it to you quick. Regal makes my top five of the week. I think that has to make both of ours. MLW Super Fight. Got to watch this last night. I love when MLW puts on the big shows. They did a really good job here. I don't know if you've seen it. everything but the main event so far. All right. And I won't even spoil this for you. This is a great show, folks. Check it out. Wardlow, he makes my top five of the week. NWA Power, I quit match. This is going to air actually tonight, I believe. Tonight? Yeah. Night on YouTube. So for you people who haven't seen it yet, this is me and Joe said probably the best episode of NWA Power ever. This is the Cardona Trevor Murdoch World Title match that you probably already know about. Check it out. Also, my final top five, the dog collar match slash CM Punk's old Ring of Honor theme that I learned about. Just really love this whole process. All right. So I've got an interesting top five of the week because somebody was sick this week, held yeah. down by the virus. So my top five of the week begins with being able to eat. 
Yes. Didn't do that for a couple of days because, you know, couldn't get out of bed. But leads to my number two, feeling relatively alive. Ew. If anybody's had that COVID, they know it'll put you on your ass for a minute. Wow. And like, I felt pretty good yesterday. I'm feeling relatively normal today. Four or three has got to be my, that dog collar match. That was amazing. Or no, that was three. Four is regal. And yep. you can tell I'm sick. My fucking details are all over the place. And the fifth is that this show is over. <laughs> That's kind of making my week this week. Yeah, we've had some long, long stuff going out here. We had a meeting before this too, guys. So I know I've been in this seat for like close to two hours. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm fucking up. I went from I gotta make it to the bank. I have plenty of time to we gotta end this. I gotta be here by four, baby. <laughs> All right. So guys, thank you for joining us this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Good night, everybody. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the numbers 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to four 82 designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's light years better than our first one. Also, like, divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We're live. It's the Working Fans Podcast. And I got a guy you've probably seen around MLW, Ring of Honor, AEW, um, Chandler Hopkins, the young gun, the truth. And he's nice enough to join us. Chandler, how are you? Doing good, man. How are you, brother? Man, it's, it's been a while since someone's actually called me the truth now that you said that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking up for your nicknames. I was like, I don't remember seeing him with that, but I was like, I've got to ask him anyway. That was, was that like one of your first, you know, when you were in wrestling, one of your first characters? or That was actually my very first gimmick. Yeah, it was um, mainly I, I wanted to do, to do the cowboy from the start because um, that's just who I was, was the person who I am, it's my background. And I was kind of told that like it wouldn't work. And, you know, I was new to the business, so what did I know, you know? So it's like, okay. So I kind of got thrown into this, like, really uh, pretty boy type gimmick where they called me the truth because everything I did in the ring was the truth. And if I said it, it was the truth. And, you know, that kind of moniker type thing. And I wore bikers and kick pads. And I came out in a, you know, the normal uh, indie wrestler with his cut T-shirt up and everything like that. So that was my first entrance gear. So it was blue bikers with uh, the knee pads and the kick pads but yeah you weren't really feeling that it sounds like no i mean i did it for about a year and i really gave it i really gave it time right um my my first year wasn't a typical year either my first year we worked every single weekend for the entire year for the couple or for the company that i worked for so i literally had 52 weeks in the year that i wrestled and then some of those weeks I had more than just that one. I had some for, you know, MPX or VIP or there was the D, uh, DCW. Um, there there was a lot in Texas just going on and I was able to start getting out there really quick. I think a lot of it had to do with just because, like, I already understood kind of what wrestling was. So I picked up on it really quick and people realized that. But the company I was with at the beginning when I was the truth, they kind of just fast-tracked me. And honestly, it was probably the best thing for me because I'm, I'm better – 
learning on the fly being thrown to the wolves like that. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson for a lot of people. And a lot of people like when pressure, or they say pressure makes diamonds, right? Like you just yeah. get thrown out there. Even if you're not, you know, doing as best as you're going to do, you're going to learn more that way. Yeah. You're going to find out if you really love it too. I mean, because yeah. once the pressure's on, you're going to realize, oh, I don't want this feeling, or it's going to be like, yo, all right, I'm excited. Let's do this. So <laughs> it, it's one way or the other. And I think that's just kind of, in, in their way, I think that was their way of seeing if I was going to stick around. And then after I did, it was just like one of those things where they, they treated me as, you know, I had been there forever. And that was really cool to have. And it let me be able to build relationships quicker with people that I should have probably never even been in the ring with until maybe three or four mm. years in sometimes. But, um, yeah. That's good, though. Yeah, to work with people, you know, super talented at an early age. Uh, that's another thing, right? You're only going to get better with working people better than Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, time in the ring is more valuable than years in this business. Um, I mean, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get some flack for saying this, but I don't care how long you've been in the business. I don't care if you've been in this business 10 years. If you've been in this business for 10 years and you've had 100 matches and I've been in this business for three years and I, I've had over 100 matches, we're, we're on level playing field. But if I've, if I've had 500 matches and I've only been in for three years, I'm sorry, but your 10 years of experience don't mean nothing to the three years and 500 matches that I had, you know? I mean, Absolutely. I'm fixing to hit six years in September, and my match this last weekend with Tim Storm was 585. And I'm going to tell you right now, my five years, almost six years, and almost 600 matches is way more experience than someone who's 10 years and 100 years in the business or 100 matches in the business. I'm sorry. Well, that's so good to hear you say. And it's funny you jogged something in my memory. It was actually Tim Storm who talked about this. Uh, I think it was on an NWA. Uh, 10 pounds of gold episode or it was another podcast, but he basically said working with Nick Aldis, that Nick took the lead in the beginning. And he said that Nick basically approached him and said that, look, he said, I think I should do the lead. It's not your fault. You have more experience than me, but at a young age, I was already working with guys like sting, Kurt angle. And Tim's was like, he was right. And I did. And like, and I think that says a volumes about Tim, right? Cause he's able to step back and go, Hey, in this particular station, this guy could lead. So it's funny to, you know, hear you say that. That sounds, you know, yeah. that's great advice for people to take there. You know, and that's, that's Tim to a, to a, like, heart, like, that's just Tim. Like, Tim is such a good guy. Like, we got there this weekend, and he, he's known, he was one of the first, like, vets that started really mentoring me when I went to Texoma Pro. And I got to Texoma Pro maybe, I don't know, seven, eight months into my career. James Beard had brought me over there, and I was mm -hmm. getting to work with, Tim and APOC and uh, Charlie Haas was in and out. And then there was Jerome Daniels and, you know, the, all these guys that were in the area that was really popular, plus some that had been in, been and done that, you know? So I was, I was able to really pick Tim's brain from an early stage. And, you know, he's just become one of those guys in my, in my circle that I can know if I call him and I say, Hey, I need this or, Hey, what do you think about this? He's going to give me his honest opinion. He's going to do whatever he can. And that's kind of how he, he approached it this weekend too. Like I came to him, and I knew what kind of match we wanted to have. And we wanted to have an old school NWA tell a good story match. So I came to him and I was like, hey, this is the idea I have. I was like, just hear me out. If you don't like it, cool. Tell me what you got. So I went up to him and kind of told him how I was thinking about the match being and what we could do. And he was like, it's all you, kid. You take lead. Like, he is okay with doing that. He doesn't mind because he knows he doesn't always have the best ideas. And, you know, two, two brains are better than one. Yeah. You know, I mean, just because you have something that works doesn't mean something else can't work. And that was kind of where we were at today or last weekend is we did something completely different in our 
you know, baby face versus baby face match that I hadn't seen. And I, I just got the idea from a friend of mine and Magnificent Malico, actually, uh, if y'all know who that is. And um, he had kind of pointed out that this kind of match that we did was not really something that he'd ever seen done. And I started thinking about it. I was like, wait, never have I. And we basically were just, who could be the better baby face? Like mm. it wasn't about moves though. It was about who could get over faster with the fans and being a baby face. And it was funny to see those, those, that teeter totter go back and forth with them as we did it. And we didn't touch each other for about six minutes. And the fans were already popping and having a good time and laughing. And we knew at that point, it didn't matter what we did wrestling wise. We had already done our job. Like yeah. they're happy. They're fun. Cool. Let's give them a cool little match now. And then we played off that the entire time throughout the entire time of the match. We just want up to each other now in wrestling and still being good. Like there was a part where I gave him some chain stuff. I gave him an arm drag. I nipped up. I ran out to the crowd and I picked up a kid that was sitting front row. I told his dad to pick his camera up and I took a picture right there in the middle of the match with the kid and the fans freaking loved it. Yeah. Got back in, we ran a spot or whatever. And he was, he gave me a shoulder tackle and he said, hold on a second. He got out and went the opposite side of the ring, found a group of kids and got them all and took a picture with all of them. So <laughs> it was little things like that, that we did. And Tim is just so good at just, being understanding about hey this could work if we do it the right way and that's how he was though he was like okay cool i like it run with it but we got to do it the right way and that's let's and that's how he was with it the entire time yeah. so it was really cool to see him just seem like he was really having fun wrestling and he hey anyone who says tim storm can't can't go still y'all y'all just ain't wrestling the right way just saying <laughs> just saying i got a question but i want to say two things before i forget i don't usually do this i usually just try to ask questions but you said two very interesting things one when I invited you on here, one of the first things I said before we started recording, how you always remember the people who were early. Mm-hmm. Other guy I was talking about was Tim Storm, by the way. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, so that's he's funny. just a genuinely good dude. And two, I want to say before I ask this question, too, I was thinking about it where I've heard guys talk about not doing anything right away or locking up. Generally, it's a heel move, though. It's the heel working the man. I don't recall ever. And I'm 45. I watch a lot of wrestling. I don't remember two people trying to out babyface each other for six yeah. minutes. So that's and it good. Was, I'm sure there's somewhere there's something, but I've just never sure. seen it, right? I mean, there's so much in wrestling that's been done. And I'm it, somewhere I'm sure someone's done it or tried it or whatever. Right. But I knew where we were at. I knew where we were close enough to my backyard. But we were in Arkansas, and that's Tim Storm's backyard. And he brought his Arkansas Razorback tights with him, too. So I knew automatically they were going to love him. But my stuff's been more recent here lately, so there's a lot more of my stuff going around, and there was a younger crowd. Plus, like I said, it's kind of in my backyard as well, so I knew it was going to be a teeter-totter. And I was like, you know what? If it fails, it fails. At least we tried and had fun, but yeah. it just was one thing. I was like, let's do it. I have to say what I was wondering about <clears throat> Excuse me, um, was that uh, comedians talk about going to maybe like uh, the cellar the comedy store and they try to basically work out their acts right they try to do uh, material and like to see what works and what doesn't work right would you say as like an independent wrestler a guy who's getting to go different like maybe an advantage you would have over a wrestler who's obviously made it big is you have the opportunity to go to these different places and maybe you know the spotlight's not on you in this time like okay let's try this let's see if this works right Right. and you can take advantage of that You, you can and if you do it the right way you know, you can entertain people in a lot more ways than just the cool high fly, flippity flap, fast paced stuff, which is fun. I can do it. I, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I can do 
just about every single style and do it very well. But my favorite is playing off the crowd. Like that's something that the fans, they want, right? Right. So like, why don't, why are we not entertaining the crowd? Right. That's, I don't get that because they're there to be entertained. You can only see so many matches where it's so fast paced and you've got to try things. You've got to be able to put things out there and say, Hey, is this work? Hey, is this not work? The moves, you know, you can do because you're trying them in training all at the same time. But what are you really doing when you're doing those moves? You're focusing on, okay, the correct spin, the correct footing, the correct placement, boom, because I don't want to kill this guy. You have to stop and just listen to the crowd sometimes because the crowd is telling you what they want. You don't always have to do what they want, especially if you're a heel, right? But at the same time, like, take time to breathe and actually think of some stuff you could do in the middle of all the crazy crap you have planned Tim and I had three spots match planned planned in that entire match. We went 20 minutes. We walked and talked most of that match because we knew what we wanted to do. We had a storyline laid out. We had a plan in our heads, and we went out and executed it. With two pros, that's all you need. There's cool things you can do in wrestling, right? There's a lot of it. You can do all the badass moves you want, but how long is that going to last? How long is your body going to be able to do that? And it's taken me some time to get to realize that too, right? I mean, here I am six years, and... The last two years, I really have just figured that part out. And I've gotten really to the point where I love trying new things out. Because in Pittsburgh, uh, what was it? A wrestle pit uh, in Pittsburgh was three weeks ago. And myself and Marty the Moth Casals from Lucha Underground, we had a match. We've been wanting to have this match for three or four years. Oh, probably three years now, right? Three years. And I knew things he'd done from Lucha, and he knew things I'd done from the Indies. And I asked him that day, I was like, how long has it been since you used the fork? And he said, I haven't used it since Lucha. I was like, cool, let's use the fork. So our our thing was, we're best, we were really good friends and the crowd knew it because we promoted it that way. But we had to have someone be more the aggressor. And I was like, cool, you're the crazy man. So you can be the aggressor. So he had two forks and they were plastic forks. And he put one in his knee pad and he had one in his ring coat and he took his ring coat off first and set it in the corner. And then we were playing, and he had the ref find the one in his knee. So we showed the crowd right then and there, hey, we got forks involved. Let him know the front. We didn't know if that was going to work, but we had to try it, right? Because it's one of those things of if we just pull out of nowhere, they might not understand what's going on, especially in the middle match. So we had to try something new. We had to sit there and say, cool, what if we show it to him beforehand, and then we still give it to him, but just in a different way. Right. So we show it to him, they pop, they start saying, fork, 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 fork. And him and I were the same way. We probably didn't touch each other for a good five and a half, six minutes either. Um, but that's all showmanship. That's getting in there and dancing with each other, playing off each other, talking crap if you're a baby facing the heel. It doesn't have to be get in the ring and just go straight to whatever, right? Like entertainment is entertainment. As long as you do it in the right way, yeah, we're wrestlers. But that doesn't mean that's what 100% of the job is. You got to try stuff. And I think trying new things, not just moves. Yes, trying new moves is cool, but just trying new things to see how the crowd's going to react, especially in places that you've never been or you're wrestling for maybe your first, second, or third time. That's how you're going to get over in those places. You've already gotten over with what you know works back where it came from. That's why you're going somewhere else. you got to get your name out there. Try new things when you're out there because if it doesn't work, cool. You know it works back here. Cool, I'm going to try over here. I'm going to try over here. I'm going to try over here. Cool, it's not working. Sweet. I'm going to do what I did back there, and now it'll work. Okay. It's it's simple process, and I think we overthink it sometimes. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, um, who were some of your influences uh, in your character as far as wrestling goes? But, I mean, 
uh, okay, your wrestlers, but also like maybe some non-wrestlers we don't know. Maybe you got some influence from too. Um, so when I first started watching wrestling, it was in the Attitude Era. Um, yep. I was kind of a sheltered kid a little bit. My mom let us watch like G-rated stuff. Um, our stepdad came along and mom started working nights at the hospital. So we got to start watching wrestling when she was at work. It was kind of one of those what mama doesn't know doesn't hurt kind of things. Um, but uh, so when we first started rest- watching wrestling, it was like 99 to 2001. And The Rock and Stone Cold were just two of the guys that were just at each other's throats all at any time. Mm. Um, and I remember watching The Rock come out and just look at the crowd and remember like what he could do with just raising his eyebrow. And like, man, that is super cool. Like even I'd be at home sitting on the couch going, Man, that is awesome. Like, your heart's just fluttering and beating. You're like, oh, what the heck's going on here? This dude's captivating. And then just the matches he put on was amazing. Um, so I take a lot of like my charismatic and entertainment value from The Rock. But I think the other person that really has molded my character, not think I know, is, is Shawn Michaels because I love to sell. It's uh, I, I love to be the superhero that gets his butt kicked just to come out at the end. Like, there's no better feeling, and there's people can relate to that a lot. Like it takes a lot of hard work to finally get to where you want to be at in life. Sometimes same way you can treat a wrestling match it takes a lot of hard work and sometimes you get beat down, but Hey, if you keep pushing, you can win at the end. So, um, it's one of those things where those two people really put me where I'm at as a wrestler, because I wanted to be charismatic, funny, entertaining, be able to dance and goof off with the crowd, but also be able to be, just be really focused when I had to. But I also wanted to be the guy that, made things look good for the person I was wrestling because, you know, we all know this is a two-way dance more times than not. I mean, sometimes you got six people in a ring, seven people in a ring. So you kind of really have to um, rely on a lot of other people too. It's just one of those things where it's my favorite part. And I don't know, I don't know why the moves are cool. Yeah. I like hitting people. Yeah. I like mm. winning and getting moves, but at the same time, like, I don't know, there's just something about, taking a, a bump and being able to show the pain because it does hurt, but being able to amplify it in a fact to where the fans really zone into you and like, Oh man, like, is he okay? I love those moments. Like if I can get the fans to really come to the edge of their seat. And by the time I know that the end of the match is coming up, I can look out in the crowd and see people leaning forward instead of like, Oh, right here playing on their phone. Like now I'm like, all right, cool. I did my job. Let's go home. Let's do this. <laughs> I don't know. Just those two, probably. Stone Cold yeah. and, and Sean. Sure. Oh, not bad. <laughs> Rock and, and Sean. Stone Cold yeah. probably did, too. Like, yeah. I just the aggression side I have. I, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of Stone Cold, so I could see his aggression, but how he did it as, like, a good and bad guy. So he probably had a lot of influence, more than I realized, but The Rock and Shawn Michaels, for sure. Just watched this morning. I get up at, like, 2 in the morning for work, and uh, somebody loaded on Twitter that Attitude uh, era. It was Rock versus Austin. Video package leading to WrestleMania with the Olympus. Yes. And you, it's funny you said the looks because I'm watching it this morning. Just the looks they're giving each other where they're smacking the beer out of each other's hand. And there's a pause yeah. at the right moment. They're like, telling a story with just a look. And that's, we for some reason, wrestling has been conditioned to where we, we're only telling stories with moves. Like there's so many aspects of wrestling that's an entertainment that you can tell a story with. Like it's, like you said, simple looks. Like, yeah. You did not just slap that out of my hand, little <laughs> shit. Like, oh yeah, well I'm gonna do it again. Like, the looks tell a lie, and people won't do it anymore. Yeah, it's funny you said NWA too, and uh, for me, NWA has been one of my favorite like 
small promotions out there. You know, like I, I watched everything from AWW, but like I MLW, but like I really think one of the things I like about NWA is it seems very more story driven their promotion right now. And guys like Nick Aldis, when they're fighting for the title, it feels this authentic big fight kind of feel. Yeah. And it's interesting to have these different aspects of things in wrestling. Stories sell tickets, man. Stories make people invest. It makes them want to come back too. Like you got to think, are they going to come back and watch you five times in a row do all those exact same cool moves? No, probably not. Not every single one of them. Some of them maybe, but if you tell them a story and, and you can give them some cool moves here and there, they're going to remember the cool moves, but they're going to remember the story. And like, mom, he almost beat him up. Can we come, can we come back next week and, and see if he actually gets him this time? Cause there's going to be a rematch. And that's really cool. Like the stories is what really brings people back. It's not the cool moves. It can be the generosity of wrestlers. Cause there's some really nice wrestlers out there. And that's one thing on the Indies that you have the advantage on. You get to meet and greet and actually talk to the people. Right. So the person and individual themselves, you know, can have a big aspect on whether people come back as well. But it's more, more than likely it's not going to be for the cool move you did because I've seen you do it 5, 10, 15, 100 times already. They want to know, man, are you going to be able to beat this guy and actually dethrone him and, and win the titles? Like, that's what they want to know. Let's see it happen. Cool. Oh, he lost. Get him next time, man. I'll be here to cheer you on, too. Like, mm-hmm. that's where it's at. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I just heard somebody, I think it was Bruce Pritchard said something about when guys send him like footage. A lot of times he likes to look to see if how people lose. Like they'll send him the highlight movies. But if you show me how you lose, it's like, okay, there's something yeah. to that. I like to show whenever I send highlights and when people ask for them or anything, I like to show like me getting beat up. Right. Because <laughs> if I can get beat up that well, it doesn't matter what I can do at moves. I can make someone look good. Right. Absolutely. Um, so how did you uh, end up breaking in? Who trained you? How did you get into the business? Um, so I had actually gone to a uh, show in Oklahoma City at the Chesapeake Arena with a friend who had Ted tickets to WWE. And they didn't know I was a wrestling fan. They just had X tickets and asked me if I'd want to go. So I went. We got there and he starts like trying to tell me all the storylines and who's who and what's this. And I was like, yeah, I know. And that's this and his going on this. And that's who's going. He's like, wait you're a wrestling fan. I was like, yeah, I just don't really say it too much. I'm just, I enjoy it in my, in my spare time. And he was like, have you ever been to an indie show? And I was like, what the hell's an indie show? Cause at that mm. time, all I knew was WWE and new Japan, TNA, ROH. Like I knew them as TV companies. Right. Um, I didn't know what an indie show was. And he was like, okay, you gotta come to an indie show with me. And he started telling me about what it was and how it was like where you get to see the younger talent that's coming up through the ranks actually start and grow and meet them before they get famous and stuff or whatever. And I was like, oh, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I'll go to one of those. So it was like the next week we went and um, it was at a company called IWR, Imperial Wrestling Revolution. And uh, during their intermission, they had said something about uh, having tryouts, looking for more talent. And I kind of started thinking in my head like, Man, you wrestled in middle school, you wrestled in high school, you've, so you've done amateur wrestling, you, you have a good sports background, you played just about every sport there was, you played semi-professional football, so you, you know you've got the, the stamina to do it, like, what's stopping you? And I was selling cars at the time, and it just wasn't something I loved, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. And so I really just took it on a limb. I, I knew I liked wrestling, but, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was just going to like, you know, if they take me, cool, let's do it. If not, then I'll go back to selling cars. And uh, so I got there and I put in my information on the, on the email first and sent it to them. They messaged me back pretty quick and was like, yeah, we'd love to see what you can do. 
I went out and the training was about an hour and a half, two hours away sometimes, depending on traffic, uh, away from where I actually lived. So, and that was Saturdays and Sundays. So I'd make that drive back and forth, Saturdays and Sundays, back and forth to, to train. And uh, when I first got there, it was like I got, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and now that I know what you should expect on your first day of training, I I was so fast-tracked, it wasn't even funny. The first day I got there mm -hmm. and uh, they had me run the ropes. They showed me back bumps, foot flip bumps, uh, parachute bumps, uh, face, face bumps. They showed me all the bumps. Um, and then they started doing big moves on me, suplexes, power bombs, like wow. everything this very first day. Wow. And, uh, the owner looks at me at the end mm -hmm. right before training's about to be over and he's like, okay, cool. He's like, so how you feel? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm a little sore, but it's not that bad. And he's like, something you think you want to do? And I was like, actually, yeah, I had a lot of fun today and it really like made me just miss the competitive spirit. And uh, he was like, all right, cool. He was like, you're gonna have a seven minute match right now. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're gonna have a seven minute match. And he pulled out his champion at the time. And it was Montego Sica. Um, and uh, he was like, you and him, seven minutes, let's go. So Montego and I did our thing. And we, we get in there and wrestle for seven minutes. And I'm literally just following this guy's, you know, every word he's saying to me. Um, and after the match was over, he, uh, he looked at me and he goes, cool, we'll take it. And I was like, huh. oh. so here, here it goes. And three months later, I was in my very first match and, it just took off, man. I, I told myself that if I was actually going to do it, if I was going to spend that much time getting trained, uh, making all the time traveling, spend, spending all that extra money driving to and from, that I was going to give it everything I had. And, you know, this was going to be something that I really put in the work for. And, um, you know, I, I've sucked by that word. And every single time I step into a ring, I treat it as, you know, that's my stage. That's my canvas where I get to create, create art. That's where so many legends before us have been and and made us you know opportunities to be able to do what we get to do today so um i take it very serious and i think that's why because whenever i told myself at the beginning hey if you're gonna do this this is it like you're gonna really put in the focus and the time and i'm committed to it and this is where i'm at this is where i'm gonna be at how did you uh end up making the connection with aew then um so over the years i've been fortunate enough to make uh colleagues and friends that are in higher spots of course um and lance archer is a really good buddy of mine love him to death and uh he had put in a word early for me and i didn't know it and um the next person that had put in a word for me was thunder rosa and she's like one of my big sisters she's helped me out so much in the wrestling business and pointing me in the right direction so when i found out that those two had put in words for me i was like oh, okay awesome cool so i was expecting something a little earlier um it wasn't until Brian Cage put in the word for me that AEW was like, okay, that's three of our top talents saying, bring this kid in. So bring him in. And uh, so I got to get there and I didn't know what I was doing until they had posted the match card. And it was me and Joey Janela on elevation. Uh, and they were giving me a, a full match, not just some squash match. And I was like, oh, wait, they're really going to take a look at me. This, this is not just a, hey, kid, go out there and take your butt kicking and come back and get a payday and hang out with the boys. Like it was all right, cool. You got here. You've got the word put in. Let's see what you got. And thank you, Joey Janela. Cause that was the first time we'd ever met. And um, honestly, thank you, Sonny kiss too. Cause Sonny kiss had told Joey at the time they were tag teaming together and Sonny had been following me for a couple of years at that point. 
And Sonny had actually told Joey, hey, this kid is really good. Um, so Joey showed up like he knew me and he let me put in my stuff where I wanted it. And he gave me a lot. And it was one of those things where he kind of knew what was going on as well. So they gave me a full fledged on match. And afterwards, when I came back, they were like, yeah, you're good. And I got I gained a lot of respect for with the locker room. And um, I, I mean, I'm not signed yet, but they keep bringing me back and I'm there a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've made a lot of good uh, colleagues and connections there and some even friends. And, you know, if it never comes to fruition where I get signed with AEW at this moment, you know, it just wasn't my, my time wasn't the point where I was supposed to go. Um, you know, maybe it's Impact, maybe it's MLW, maybe it's New Japan, who knows, maybe WWE calls one day. But, uh, you know, AEW is where I'd like to be. It's where, I, where I'd love to be. I am comfortable there, but, you know, sometimes you don't put on your best work when you're comfortable either, so... Um, who knows? AEW's been fun. I got there because of some good recommendations. And, you know, I keep going back because I put in the time and the effort there for them. And they understand that and they see it. Was this, uh, first my memory too, was this, were, did they have a small amount of fans yet? Or was this still when a lot of the wrestlers were around? No. Uh, so when I wrestled Joey Janela, I wrestled Joey. Um, there may have been like 10 wrestlers mm. um, out ringside, but we wrestled at about one o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah, because it was for it was for tapings. So right, they're doing that after Dynamite at the time. Yeah. yeah. So what an interesting time, and what another uh, way to kind crazy. of learn another skill, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, so it was weird because it's it's not weird. It's actually kind of cool to be able to be there before when the wrestlers were out in the crowd and we were cheering and amping up and everything with the empty show arenas, and then now to be there whenever we're wrestling in front of thousands of people all the time now it's one of those things where it's it's really cool to see the journey of how it happened and, and i i really have to sit back and be thankful for it because the pandemic did do a lot of bad bad stuff for a lot of people right. and you know i hate that 100 percent. but it, it did some good things for some people as well because without the pandemic a lot of the extras that are at aew and a lot of people that are currently signed wouldn't have gotten that shot because aew opened up that door to where they were going to sit there and give every indie wrestler they could right. a shot and see what they could do. But at the same time, they had a brilliant idea to use us to help make the show better, like fans wise as well, is what I'm saying. So um, it gave a lot of us an opportunity and honestly, without the pandemic happening and getting that opportunity to go in as a dark extra, I probably wouldn't be working for them right now. And my career wouldn't possibly not be as, is on a rise as it is um so it's kind of cool to see that journey yeah yeah absolutely and you get exposure no matter what so yeah. i'm sure more independent promoters are probably once we started getting people we're probably knocking down your door a little more too yeah and it's one of those things that once they see you on there more and more and more they realize that AEW values you and realizes that you can do your job so now it's more promoters around they're going okay cool if they can do it and they're a live big tv company cool now we can trust a little bit more to bring them in on our side and see what he can do. And, you know, if one or two times he comes in, we don't like it. Cool. We don't have to bring him back. You know, it's one of those things, but you get a lot more opportunities. And I, I'm all about making the most of my opportunities. If someone brings me in, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to, to impress them. And that's my job is yes, to impress the, the, the owner or promoter, the booker, whoever's doing it, but at the same time, show them that I can entertain a crowd too. Um, and, and that's one thing that I think once I come to a promotion that I, I have a lot of, um, knowledge about is just how to entertain the crowd. I think that's one thing that stands out about me. 
cool, I can wrestle, yeah. And I'm told all, all the time I'm smooth, but those things just come with footwork. And I've, I've had footwork for years because of the sports. It's more so the entertainment factor for me. And I think that's why I stand above a lot of people whenever I go to a place and I shine, shine and I stand out a little bit more is because a lot of people realize that. And um, it's something that took time, though. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. And I think a lot of people want things to happen overnight. You just got to be patient, get as much reps as you can, take your time while you're in there, enjoy it, like have fun wrestling. Like that's where you learn things is when you're having fun. When you're too nervous all the time and you're just thinking about stuff and, oh, what's next? What's that? And you're not living in the moment. Like you're going to you're gonna wish you had looked back and be like, man, I wish I could remember what I did here or did there because I was too busy worrying about what was next. Like I just live in the moment, man. Now you had mentioned um... – Brian Cage, Thunder Rosa, uh, Lance Archer put a good word in for you, and Joey and Sonny were very kind to you. Um, were there anybody else backstage that maybe you didn't really know that uh, helped you out, gave you some advice? Yeah, actually, a lot of the the guys, um, I didn't really know most of the the men's roster. It's funny because I had wrestled with a lot of the women's roster because they, they were on a lot of the local shows that I was at. So I had known a lot of them. Several of them I hadn't, but... The guys was really one of those things where I had to earn most of their respect by showing what I could do for them in the ring too, like and showing that I wasn't going to put my pride above, you know, what they're supposed to be doing. I understood where I was supposed to be. I knew what my job was. My job was not for me to to get over. My job was to help make you look good so that you can do your job and get over like you're supposed to. And I think the boys recognized that and they realized it. And they here lately, it's been showing a lot. Like Orange Cassidy has mentioned wanting to wrestle me. Um, Wardlow it's weird because Wardlow looks like he's just a really stern mean dude but he's yeah. just a huge teddy bear man he's a really good guy and uh, he's one guy that's always like hey man it's really good to see you uh, we have conversations and stuff but we're just him and I together um, let's see who's a couple more oh uh, Butcher and Blade really cool yeah. getting to know them and hang out with them uh, CD has become one of the guys that I go to for advice there. Uh, he's usually around um, talking to me about what my match is and stuff like that. So he's one that I've really gotten close to. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing more, but uh, Sean Dean, of course, whenever we're there, he, he kind of takes care of a lot of the extras and stuff. He's always he's always a good guy to hang out with. So um, uh, the Acclaim, I actually like the Acclaim. They're they're really cool. Mike and uh, and Bowens, they're they're really they're really cool. So. Uh, I saw uh, TJ Perkins mentioned you on Twitter too. Uh, yeah, T- yeah, TJ and I, we had a, a show in Warrior, and it was for Brian Cage's uh, GMSI Invitational. So he got to pick everybody he wanted in this big Invitational, and whoever won had like a medallion. They got to go and challenge whoever, whatever champion they wanted. So in this one match, it's Brian Cage, me, TJP, Dante Martin. Um, Alan Angels five and mm. Casey Navarro. I think I'm missing somebody. No, it was six of us. Um, yeah. But it was us, right? So we had this fast-paced, really fun match. And um, after me, me and TJ did our spots with each other. So afterwards, TJ was really kind of like thanking me. Hey, thanks for taking care of me. I appreciate it. you. Were really smooth. This was awesome. And then we worked again down in South Texas. And after working in South Texas, one of those things where TJ and I just really click. We get along, and um, he's got MLW's got that open door, and right. they're going to be in Dallas. I wrestled for MLW before. I wrestled low key for him. Um, 
which was an amazing match. I had a great time at MLW. But uh, Dallas on, uh, what is that, April 1st, MLW comes back, and he's laid out a challenge. And for him to actually tag me and comment to mm-hmm. me that that was the guy he wanted was really cool. Um, yeah. Because him and I want a one-on-one bad. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't I want that, right? Yes, I expect him to be way better than I am. He is literally the greatest middleweight to ever be in the game. He, he's won every middleweight championship that you could think of, except for the MLW and what? I mean, he's done Intercontinental. He's done 205. He's done yeah. – oh, he's going after the, the New Japan. So those two are the only ones he hasn't had in the middleweight so far, and he's he's just leaps and bounds better. That excites me. I enjoy knowing that who I'm getting in the ring with has massive amounts of knowledge more than what I do because that allows me to soak up more. And that's what I'm going to do. If we get this opportunity and MLW reaches out and we get to do this, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the opportunity and I'm going to learn as much as I can from it because I think that's how you get better. Hmm. I like getting out of my comfort zone. Being in the ring one-on-one with the greatest middleweight ever that's pretty uncomfortable if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I told you like we were gonna um well we're probably gonna try to have you back too, because you could you're a good talker, man. You could go for a while. I like it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, actually that. I'll ask you that before we leave too. Is that something being comfortable on the mic? Was that something that you know like you had to work at, or how was that aspect? So actually it was kind of weird for me because I did I didn't like public speaking for the longest time, and um I had joined a company when I was younger that had to, like, I had to give presentations in front of people. So it made me uncomfortably get in that position where I could talk in front of people and that sold cars. So I had to really get to the point where I could talk with anybody and just open up and be me and have fun, laugh and joke. So I think having those two really helped me get better at just being um, better at promos. When I first started promos, I tried too hard. I really did. You know, I tried to make it the typical wrestler promo. Mm-hmm. I never really spoke as me or talked as me like I do now. Because, like, if I was to cut a promo with you right now, I'm just talking to you just how I am right now. I'm just telling you how my feelings are. And I think that creates the most, not the most cool, the coolest uh, types of promos when it's from the heart. So um, it took a minute to get used to the promo aspect. But, now, yeah, I, I'm very comfortable on mic. Um, I don't mind taking a mic and talking if I have to. A promoter wants me to open up a show with a promo or – you know, it's a waste of time. I have no problem with it. Authenticity, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sell itself if you just be you. Yeah, I like it. Um, so uh, before you go, though, uh, social media, merch, anything you want to promote, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. I look forward. Yeah, let's we'll definitely do it again. I'd love to when you got some more time and we can make it happen. Um, but, yeah, you can follow me um, on my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Facebook and my TikTok, they're all the same uh, tag. They're all the young gun underscore CH for Chandler Hopkins. You can type that in. You can find uh, any of those. Uh, my Twitch is Captain, but it's abbreviated. So it's C-A-P-T underscore pew pew underscore. You can come follow me on Twitch. We're actually about to play some video games right after this for a couple hours. Um, and then I got to get packed and head to San Antonio for tomorrow's, uh, for AEW this week. So um, but that's where you can find me on all my socials. Uh, I'd love to hang out with you guys. I communicate with my uh, community and my fans as much as possible. If you want merch, you can just message me on any of those platforms. I'll send you the links. 
Awesome. Thank you, Chandler. We appreciate having you on, man. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 